0: You are listening to Rank and Vile, a proud member of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Welcome to Rank and File, the podcast where we are ranking every single horror movie ever made. And this is Ryan Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's are we going? It's really good. Um,
1: uh, it, it's it's officially September, which means uh, now it's okay that I've left my Halloween doormat out for the entire year because it's, it's just circled back into being socially acceptable. <laughs>
0: Looped back around, baby. Like you knew it would you knew it was only a matter of time. Honestly, like Halloween has taken on such a weird thing in my brain due to quarantine, where I'm like, it means more than it did last year, but also is fundamentally unattainable due to quarantine.
1: The fact that they start started selling bags of Halloween candy uh the final week of August was very much candy man- manufacturers saying, America needs a win. Let's go ahead and do this. <laughs> honestly i imagine a shadowy table of chocolatiers going now's our time to strike americans are just sitting at home sad we already make (laughs) buku money selling bags of trick-or-treat candy and tricking people into thinking they're gonna let it last until halloween now we'll just start selling it the first the last week of august the first week of september and just ride that cash cow all the way home.
0: You know, it makes sense. And it's sort of on one level, I, I feel like uh, the, the Halloween industrial complex, I worry that I'm going to end up doing that thing that like angry Christians in the 90s were doing where they were sort of like, Ah, but what about the reason for the season? Christmas has become too commercial. Like, I, I don't want to do that with Halloween where I'm like, ah, Halloween used to be cool, not before Spirit Halloween started showing up in gutted books of millions or whatever. Like it's fine. It's fine uh, like, This year it's... the spirit has opened in the Sears Roebuck building Oh shit, so they're moving on up to the east side like this is <laughs> they've, they've got some this this is a plush fucking arrangement. It's a very
1: large storefront
0: <laughs> Holy shit, you know what good for spirit Halloween they they saw a business model which was moved in move into gutted uh, for closed buildings and just sell a shitload of masks
1: and then no returns and ride right out of town <laughs> like the Pied Pipers they are.
0: Um, yeah, under cover of nightfall on November 1st, they will never find you. Um, Quincy, what, uh, what ghoul shit have you been consuming this week? Uh, I've literally been
1: consuming witches Brew Kit cats. What are those? Ryan, I've eaten about two bags worth of these. Two trick-or-treater... You know, household bags of these, right. and I'm not sure if
0: I like them yet. They so are what, what? What makes it a witch's brew? Like, what's the flavor What's the what's the flavor profile? The flavor profile is marshmallow
1: by way of uh, what I've been described uh, as Cabbage Patch doll. It's a very <laughs> fine, plasticky taste. I'm into it. They are Honestly. a uh, pale
0: witch green. Excellent, and they mostly taste like marshmallows. See that, honestly you you just said it kind of tastes like a Cabbage Patch Kid, and some part of my like buried uh, lizard uh, toddler id, like my mouth started watering because I was like, oh man, it tastes like a it tastes like a Cabbage Patch Kid. You know, when you would just like pop it in your mouth as a kid because you were trying to understand the world by putting your mouth on things. <laughs> Like, this is honestly, I love um, the smell of the inside of a latex Halloween mask always makes me hungry. And I think it might be because I associate it with trick or treating. You know, I
1: just now realized the hellscape that we live in because I am excited to go to the spirit Halloween, as is tradition around this Mm -hmm. time of year. But the prospect of trying on a costume is outright unacceptable to me.
0: agree. Which like, is wild,
1: because I'm willing to put my life and health at risk. Sorry, Grandma. I gotta go get some ha- some overpriced Halloween costumes.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, what the terrorists win if we don't go to Spirit Halloween, right? Like, I yeah. mean, that, that that's the thing, is I can't fathom putting on an actual Halloween costume, because like, what sort of hellish Zoom event are we at where all of us are like, on cam, in our Halloween costumes, drinking? Like, I've got a costume from like 2 years ago where i uh went, at Dead Right Horror Trivia um i we uh my my team we did a group costume for trick or treat where i went as Sam from trick or treat um so i had the the orange footie pajamas and the mask and the the lollipop and i you know what i'm i'll just put on my fucking orange footie pajamas and get on zoom with my friends if that's what <laughs> they decide they want to do on halloween like yeah, mostly now and uh, as our uh, listeners may may or may not know, um, I so the reason we didn't have an episode last week is because I moved out to uh, the middle of goddamn nowhere in California um, and uh, into a, a big sprawling house, um, which, by the way, guys, if you move out to the country, there's lizards and shit. This morning on my run, I saw a lizard eat a spider greatest moment of my life. Um, but but I've got a I've got I've got a front lawn for the first time since 2008 and all I want to do is halloween that motherfucker up.
1: You should. it, it is meat and uh, right so
0: to do. I think so too. And also well I mean the the problem is it would 100% be fucking Hallow- halloween masturbation for me because like neighborhood kids are not coming out where I live on Halloween. Uh, to get candy because there's COVID and also they're not coming out to my fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre house. But <laughs> I'm listen. I would get the satisfaction of looking out at my lawn and and admiring my my ghoulish handiwork. You know what I mean? I, I especially love the home owner beat of. I finally got a home.
1: We're really going to make a name for ourselves. And then from what I know, uh, fast
0: forwarding into, you didn't move the (laughs) body You You moved the headstones, but you didn't move the, I mean, that's the thing. Like the entire moving process, all I could think was like, oh, this is going to be a great new start for our family. We got a great deal on this place. (laughs) Moving into the house, it's going to eat you. Now um, I do
1: have to legally disclose that there were <laughs> five satanic cults in this house. This exactly. is the Manson Ranch. You have now, to know. Uh, that.
0: It's it's. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna keep it 100 with you, folks. It's gotten pretty corpsey in here over the years. Um, you're gonna smell some things. <laughs> you're gonna see some things. That's normal. The house has good bones. And, you know, you've and got a great deal on the place. so actual bones. <laughs> it's got good bones in every context. It's got good <laughs> bones. Just the finest of bones for you in, in this in this home. Um, let's dive into the first movie we're doing this week. So yes. we... Uh, holy shit. So the first movie we're doing uh, is a sort of pseudo-sequel to uh, Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. We are doing uh, Tales from the Crypt Bordello of Blood. Now let's
1: talk weird... Tales from the Crypt trivia.
0: Uh-huh.
1: This was the first of a planned trilogy of these Tales from the Crypt movies.
0: Mm-hmm. But like, they, they Demon were, they were hog on this. was
1: more Tales from the Crypt-esque, according to lore. So they decided to release the second movie because it was stronger. And then uh, Bordeaux of Blood... Uh, crashed so badly, it bombed so bad in the box office, that a third was never produced. So this is actually, uh, Bordello of Blood was actually part of a proposed trilogy. Uh, Bordello of Blood was supposed to be the first movie in the trilogy, but um, Demon Knight was, quote, more Tales from the Crypty, so it got released first. And then the third movie, Ritual, was made, but because this movie bombed so badly, it was not released until 2002 and they stripped all of the cryptkeeper moments. and only in 2015 were those restored on um, DVD and Blu-ray.
0: That's incredible. Honestly, I, I I feel like that's debatable. That Demon Knight was more Tales from the Crypty. This is Bordello of Blood. Um, it was absolutely right to bomb at the box office. Yes. Um, it uh, now it is Tales from the Crypty more than Demon Knight is, but in the worst possible ways. Like this is like that's why I'm, that's why I kind of balked when I read. Oh yeah, producers
1: picked. Demon Knight first because yes Demon Knight is a superb film but it does not feel like a Tales from the Crypt film in the way that Bordello of Blood has all of the hallmarks of the HBO series. Bad yeah. jokes weird 90's sex appeal uh, high, yeah. very high-waisted G-strings and very
0: teased hair and yeah. weird celebrity cameos oh <laughs> It's so much with the cameos. Honestly, uh Tales from the Crypt Bordello of Blood is kind of like the Crypt Keeper's home for wayward Playboy Playmates, where like <laughs> we've got so many like playmates in the mix, either as extras or as main characters of the thing. And there are
1: so many uh porn stars in this film as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's so the movie starts out uh with a framing device um that makes me want to die um we we get we get the all right so we get the opening sequence uh where um there's these like treasure hunters doing like an indiana jones style tomb raider thing opening a casket to um reveal uh, one of them has the key which is the macguffin from demon knight which is it's like full of demon blood or something it's it's pure it's full of maguffinium um, and they they find it in a in a tomb, and uh, there's a, 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 a what looks like a mummy knitting itself back together. By the way, in the scene, uh, there is a, a character. There's a character uh, pl- uh, played by uh, Phil Fondacaro, who is a uh, great fucking character actor. He's a little person uh, who he was in Land of the Dead, in a and he's also
1: had a shit ton of tales from the Crypt episode. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah. Like this guy is like Tales from the Crypt alumni at 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 this point. Like he this is like him being in this movie is like him being a twenty-two-year-old doing donuts in his high school parking lot. <laughs> like he's he he he's he d he done been on, on Tales from the Crypt, but he uh sells out a bunch of his uh Tomb Raider buddies and they all get killed by the original vampire who is played by someone. Um Angie
1: Everhart.
0: Thank you, Angie Everhart. Uh, she known now, for Ever- this movie. <laughs> yeah, no, known for this movie and being the video store babe and last action hero that Arnold Schwarzenegger hits on. <laughs> um, which, listen, it's good work if you can get it. Uh, she, so she's uh, an ancient vampire that come comes back to life. I gotta tell you, I was impressed that they got actual tarantulas for this intro.
1: Yeah, they they called the finest tarantula rancher. <laughs>
0: Tarenerss taranters
1: <laughs> to, yeah, yeah. to wrangle yeah. these suckers, and they're just like going hog wild, just pouring tarantulas
0: in this uhting scene, yeah, it is it is a it is a spidery intro, and then so we get that, and then it um cuts to the framing device, which is the crypt keeper um at like a restaurant, sort of uh, uh rubbing elbows with a mummy played uh by the guy who was um. The main character from Demon Knight. yeah, uh, William plays... Fucking Sadler. William Fucking Sadler, Death from uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, and also <laughs> apparently Bill and Ted Face the Music. Uh, and he's it's like this thing of like, uh, oh, you know, like they're they're sort of trying to one up each other about cool film stories, and then you know the Cryptkeeper's like, ah, oh, I've got one for you. And also here's the thing though, he he's the Cryptkeeper says fuck. In this intro, and it bothers me more than it should. I don't know why. I feel like the Crypt Keeper shouldn't cuss.
1: Yeah, I feel like, like especially because the Crypt Keeper is such an unwholesome character and the lineage of EC Comics being like part of the Senate trials and like the moral panic that you have to play it like to the opposite extreme. that You can have as much sex and gore as possible but yeah, yeah, yeah. But th- the crypt keeper thing. must say, you know, fudge, <laughs>
0: fudge. Yeah, I, y- you know, <laughs> y- you don't want the EC Comics. You don't want like the vault keeper coming in hot, like, and then they chopped his cock off. Like nobody <laughs> wants the dirty words, and they're like, I. The crypt keeper is already a fucking undead zombie creep who makes puns about people getting their heads chopped off. I don't want to hear him calling anyone an asshole. I don't want him saying "fuck." Get out of Get out of here with it's that. I don't funny, know why.
1: Lazy script writing because the Crypt
0: Keeper would make a bad
1: pun over a curse word.
0: Yeah. Wow. The, you know, uh, all those seasons of Tales from the Crypt, What a bunch of uh, uh, terrible writers! They could have just had him saying "fuck" and just being <laughs> like,
1: "Wow." HBO, yeah, they're probably
0: allowed one
1: per episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you are allowed one "fuck." Um, and so he's, you know, he's, he starts spinning the story. Now, uh, Corey Feldman is, uh, not all over this movie, but he is in the mix. He's, he is being his Corey Feldmanist in this too. (laughs) He's got the
1: fucking earring. He's got his sunglasses.
0: Those sunglasses, I love them because they look like the sunglasses that, um, a goon from a Frank Miller comic would wear. (laughs) Like just like he now Corey Feldman and his um, gang of miscreants, these are punkers, right? Like this is when somebody is in a movie in the 80s and they're like, ah, I hate all those punkers out there with their haircuts and their T-shirts. And it's like he's not really a punk or a goth or a metal guy or anything. He's just like generic guy with piercings. And he is hanging out with all of his friends. They're all extremely 90s. Quincy, they are so 90s, all of them. They just
1: reek of, of jolt cola. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and uh, bugles.
0: <laughs> yeah, and Dracar Noir. And they are at a bar. And now it's incredible. So they're at this bar um, that, by the way, at this bar, at all times, Jailbreak by Thin Lizzy is playing. Anytime we cut back to this bar later in the film jailbreak by Thin Lizzy is playing and it's it's perfect um this
1: soundtrack has an original song by Anthrax called Bordello of Blood they no really shit. they really uh came through it also the soundtrack features Scorpions uh classic track Still Loving You
0: oh hell yeah that classic power ballad i that I, I, I genuinely love the Scorpions. Um, he, listen, I'm surprised they had Anthrax money. This is before the bottom fell out and they had to retitle the third movie. When they, you know, world was their oyster. Um, they could.
1: Here's what's wild. Not only was the world of their oyster, they were able to take the script from, uh, of, from Dusk Till Dawn and the Frighteners and go, we could release these as Tale from the Crypt money, but we're going to pass on them. Not yeah. good enough for Tales from the Crypt.
0: No, no. I'm sorry, it doesn't match up with the Tales from the Crypt brand. Uh, <laughs> we're meet, we, we, we demand a certain level of talent. Although, honestly, uh, from Dust till Dawn would also make total sense to me as one of these movies where it's just like, yeah, they go to a whorehouse and there's vampires, which is, I mean, pretty much, pretty much this movie, It's literally
1: the same thing.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's wow. Wait a minute, is this movie is Bordello of Blood like? Did they snipe from Dust till Dawn?
1: They, they may have because it's the same movie with the serial numbers filed <laughs> off it's also
0: got the same weird goofy aspects to it oh man this movie has what you would call a tone problem <laughs> <laughs> really um, a guy yeah. showing up saying you guys want to go get some strange at a war oh man all right all right this guy i don't know what that character's name is or that actor but he is the mvp of this film um you know that guy when you're run you're playing a DD campaign <laughs> and you You need that like that thing at the the local tavern where, you know, you're there with all the other patrons who are all of your friends and you're all eating like sour cream and onion potato chips in real life. And you need that one character that's like, "Ah, they say that there's a magic emerald in that in Dead Man's Canyon across the way and any adventurer brave enough to whatever this this guy is that only he just shows up like humping the table and screaming like, oh, you want to go fuck in the fuck hut? Like he, he's, he's just salivating and screaming about like they got girls there that'll do it things they don't even have names for, and he's just like losing his mind. Like this guy, he showed up to work that day going like, you know what, you guys are gonna chill. I'm gonna fucking go for it. I'm gonna get on this highlight reel. Oh, it's incredible. Fame. I'm gonna live forever. <laughs> Yeah, and so and he's he he comes up to these uh, these '90s dirt bags, and he's like, "Ah, if you come out to this house, like a, a woman with titty will touch or peen. and they're all like, "Yeah, that sounds good to me." So uh, Corey Feldman and the Funky Bunch uh, boogie on down to uh, a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> they uh they they bop on down to the the it's a funeral home, right?
1: It's funeral home, and they're like oh, we got the wrong address. And the funeral director's like, no, no, no. Just hop in this coffin and you'll get your dick sucked. <laughs> <think that> was <laughs> and what I love diabetic. is that in movies like this, no
0: one ever pauses and goes,
1: no, I, I yeah. don't think so.
0: I'm not getting in the fucking yeah. That's I he shan't. literally
1: I sha not
0: shan't do it. Well, and it's incredible because you know the 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 guy who runs the the funeral home. He kind of he's got like a riffraff vibe a little bit, um, where he's just like this like eh, like elderly quasi British. Like he's like a magical pervert. Like he's running some kind of magical scam, and you you don't necessarily know what it is, but he's like, oh, if you want to get your dick sucked, get in the you know. And so he. He makes both of them spoon each other in a coffin, which is just amazing. And the, the, the coffin closes and it starts sliding forward into the incinerator, which if this had just been a guy who uh, tempts people to get in the coffin by promising them sex and then just cooks them in a coffin and that were the movie, pretty good.
1: Also very Tales from the Crypt.
0: Yeah, like your penis is a dowsing rod Leading you into the flames Um, The Crip would say something like Mmm, he'll expect some burning When he pees in the morning (laughs) I guess he learned That he shouldn't get his cock burned Because he gets exactly one cuss word (laughs) Um and so they, they get they, they they get carted into the fire and then at the when they're like, Oh, we're getting cooked in a coffin. Um, we get a little roller coaster moment where it uh drops down through a ramp and they emerge in the fuck hut.
1: And it is a uh mansion where <laughs> right. a bevy of porn stars show up and say, Yes, we are uh here for you and it's the it's the you know which shall you choose scene that uh, right. I see so often
0: yeah and 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 it's you know've you've, you've got sort of uh paunchy businessmen doing conga lines with the porn stars which first of all, I'm sorry if you're going to a brothel to, you're doing conga lines for fun like show up fuck and go home like yeah. why? Who's out here wanting to play fucking, like, naked twister with people at a brothel? You want to touch the guy next you to you at a brothel? You grossly
1: underestimate how lonely people are.
0: You know what? Actually, now that I say that uh, under pandemic, I'll allow it. Like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> under, under maritime conditions, I would be like, I don't want to in any way rub shoulders with the pervert next to me at the brothel. I'd, I'd like to you know, get out of this as quickly as possible. But now maybe, you know, you're in a subterranean fuck mansion. Maybe try the buffet. I don't know.
1: Also, Um, 1996, we're talking very early internet. Uh, And although, yes, there is porn, there were also tricksters who were saying both holes and uploading a (laughs) 9 million uh, megabyte picture of someone with their fingers in their nose
0: absolutely and
1: wait five days and you're like i thought i was getting porn but i've been goofed
0: it's like old man in the sea but you're just waiting for a jpeg to load and you just show up (laughs) faithfully every morning to wait for it so Um, yeah
1: i think it's understandable that instead of that people
0: would be conga lining i think you're right um And so they... Now, one of the the porn stars, I think the the high point of the movie for me is the most upsetting line I have ever heard spoken in film, in TV show, or elsewhere. One of them says to our um, plucky dirtbags, how would you like to take the Skin Express to Tuna Town? (laughs) It is the worst thing anyone has ever uttered. Like i had to pause it and like pour a drink immediately because it's just like this is this is the movie i'm watching this is what i've resigned myself to
1: i'm i'm wondering if this is not a good film i don't know why i'm just now pondering this but
0: upon further (laughs) soul searching uh maybe this one wasn't very good yeah maybe they should have left with this this one on the cutting room floor um they now the the dudes obviously um as you might have guessed from uh the name of the movie, this is no normal subterranean sex mansion uh, <laughs> like you like you might have gone to uh, in your in your uh, wayward youth. This is a vampire fuckhole and the uh it's just full of vampires and they uh eat dudes and it's great. Uh, and the 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 vampire from the beginning who popped out of the coffin um, is the is the queen vampire. Um, she the, I, I don't mean to I don't mean to nitpick or be or be mean. She might be one of the worst actors I've ever seen in a motion picture.
1: She is just like you know how uh, a lot of film criticism talks about like the sexy lamp problem. Mm. Yeah. She is the feathered hair problem. There is no yes. characterization. It's just hair and a special effects pokey tongue.
0: Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. It's a nice special effects pokey tongue. Um, when she's uh, kissing this dude, she kind of pulls like a Freddy Krueger style like tongue-tied thing where like Bleh, like just this huge tongue that shoots into his mouth it's it's pretty dope i will say about this movie and in favor of this movie the effects are pretty good yes it
1: is clearly the budget went to the effects <laughs> and not much else uh, the effects of skinamax lighting Goldberg scale for one day
0: Oh my god, the Whoopi Whoopi Goldberg cameo out of... I actually yelled, like I threw my hat down in disgust. I was like, oh, come on! Like, Whoopi (laughs) Goldberg is just in this for no ass reason. Um, But, so, uh, uh, Corey Feldman's dude friend gets uh, dispatched and then we assume the same has happened to Corey Feldman. But, this being a 1996 movie called Bordello of Blood, we can safely assume um, he will live to Corey Feldman another day.
1: In this quarter, on the Greenlit Podcast Network, Chris Sims and Matt Wilson, and in this quarter, VHS oddities, confusing animation, and modern not-so-classics,
0: plus snacks, movie fighters—we watch movies and beat them up. Now, at this point, we cut to um, Dennis Miller, who is the the protagonist of this film. Um, Dennis Miller, uh, and you know, it's 1996. Uh, not exactly peak Dennis Miller. That would have been like late 80s, early 90s. So he's, you know, in a movie and that's fine. He plays a private detective named uh, Rafe Gutman.
1: Yeah, why? Why Why did the screenwriters decide Rafe Gutman was the name of all names to choose?
0: Rafe Gutman sounds like it's going to give me tetanus if I touch it. Like yeah. Rafe Gutman. Um he's that's one of those names that like they write that and they're like, "All right, meeting fucking adjourned, folks." Like that's we get to, you know, call it for the day. Um and now uh, Elena Alaniac, um who uh plays the the romantic interest and sort of quasi protagonist of the thing, although not really. She doesn't really have much to do in this movie. Yeah,
1: uh- it's it's very surprising, but uh, to say this, but <laughs> the film Bordello of Blood is a little misogynist.
0: I tell you what, I'm I'm a little iffy on Bordello of Blood's uh, feminist politics. I think it might not. I don't know. Like I, you know, maybe if Dennis Miller's character read like our bodies ourselves, you know, he would maybe be able to get on board with it. He is this movie is trading so much and and betting wrong on Dennis Miller being a watchable protagonist um, because they are just all in on the like Dennis Miller style, like, Oh, Hey, I'm going to get the Covenyesque on you, babe. Like just sort of like heavily referential Dennis Miller jokes. Um, it is agony. It is so hard to listen to him say things.
1: So additional uh, trivia about this movie, because Dennis Miller had a TV show at this point, all of his shots were filmed on the weekend to get... All of his scenes were filmed on the weekend to work around his other filming schedule. So he prevented wow. the crew from spending Sunday dinners with their family to make this
0: movie. Hardly his worst offense. Like, he is, <laughs> man... Honestly, like, he is so much... Uh, so much of this movie... So he plays a private detective who... Um, is made aware that uh, Ellen Atlaniac's brother, Corey Feltman, uh, who it's established earlier on in the movie that he's she's like, ah, why don't you come to church and stop wearing sunglasses like that? And he's like, ah, I'm a sex pervert. She's like, get out of here, you're crazy. Um, and so he he disappears uh, after visiting the Bordello of Blood. And uh, Dennis Miller uh, makes contact with her, and Dennis Miller's at her. Quincy, their chemistry is so so bad
1: yeah and i can't decide if that's because Eleniac is playing this like tele-evangelist uh, assistant kind of character except that she drops that later in the movie that's a plot point but yeah it's just like a, a negative sum
0: yeah well and, and now th- That's the thing is like Ellen Leniak is like doing Her best with this role but I think it's that Dennis Miller has chemistry Only with himself and is Just uninterested in establishing a rapport um, Yeah And, and I, now I, It, oh, it always struck me so I've seen this movie
1: uh, A non-zero Number of times because <laughs> Same. I too was left to my own devices With Comedy Central In the <laughs> late 90s Yes yes so this was just always on. And it was always struck me with like, why do I care that Dennis Miller is just cracking wise at vampire prostitutes?
0: Yeah. Like, honestly, for me, these, these vampire sex workers have to be so tired at, by this point in the evening that like Dennis Miller comes poking around and he's like cracking wise at them. And they're like, listen, either we're going to fuck and I'm going to like suck your blood a little bit or you need to go. Um, this actually makes me think of there's um a story that Nikki Six from Motley Crue tells about uh there was apparently a time that he went uh with John Bon Jovi in the um m- uh mid to late 1980s to a brothel somewhere in Europe and apparently um they sort of they 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 booked a room and there were two uh workers that were like yeah hey you know like well that, you know this is fine and they went to the room and Nikki Six could not get a boner because John Bon Jovi wouldn't stop making jokes and cracking wise, <laughs> And this to me is it, it, it's basically big Dennis Miller energy is like, I'm going to show up to the 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 underground fuck hut and I'm just going to shit out a Garfield joke book. Like, I'm just going <laughs> to just constantly with the waka wakas. And it's just it's so it's so painful. Um, now, Ellen Alaniac's uh, boss is played by fuck yes, Chris Sarandon.
1: And he carries this movie.
0: Oh, man. He carries it on his back. He <laughs> is... Oh, my God. He's magnificent. Now, I will I will tell you for nothing, uh, current day, Chris Sarandon could still get it uh, every day of the week and twice on Sundays. He is in, I think, his prime here, where he's just like... He already did Princess Bride and Fright Night and all manner of things, and he is playing a televangelist um, with a guitar...
1: Yeah, because he, like, rifts a sweet lick to send Satan back to hell. Because the kids have to see something cool on on TV.
0: Yeah, now, actually, and I, I feel like now, and this isn't uh, uh, Chris Sarandon's fault, God bless him. Um, this is, I think, this movie got, got its wires a little bit crossed when it came to burgeoning megachurch culture and uh, late 80s, early 90s televangelist culture. Um, yes, it,
1: because it really it, be, was If only it came out like four years later They would have been able to kind of hit up on it
0: Yeah, exactly Because like his his preaching delivery is pure Like send send me your money because it'll buy you a mansion in heaven But then he's also doing the like I'm a cool guy who plays guitar But also he's got this like Spinal tap ass stage show behind him With puppets and lasers
1: And also, Chekhov's uh, cross laser, the (laughs) laser light show, (laughs) if turned up too high, can singe flesh and shoots a cross-shaped beam.
0: It's incredible, because, like, this happens, like, ah, you burned a cross into my guitar. That might come up later, and it's, (laughs) oh, my God. And, like, and Chris Sarandon is doing, I, I would, I don't know, Quincy, how would you describe Chris Sarandon's southern accent? Is it, like
1: passable,
0: like, or can you... <laughs> like, how, how would you rate it's, it?
1: It's unacceptable. It is... um It's like, you know the, that recent uh series of KFC commercials where various people pretend to be, or play the Colonel? It's like oh, that no. level of Southern accent. It's almost as bad as the Southern accents in Candyman Farewell to the Flesh, which we'll talk about oh, soon. Oh
0: boy. Man, that yeah it's definitely neck and neck um and because like chris sarandon you know th- this is not his natural accent like he's it's pretty it's pretty bad um now uh so the the guy who is like a, a pornographic bobcat goldfoot who stands at the bar and like verbally berates people into getting their dick wet um Dennis Miller finds this guy, and he tries the same routine on Dennis Miller to be like, hey, come out to the this funeral home and get your dick sucked. And he, he does it, but he has this, like, stand... Now, the guy who runs the joint at the funeral parlor is, like, this weird little leprechaun. And he... Dennis Miller eventually gains access to the place, and then... Ties up one of the vampire Ladies to a bed and then leaves
1: Yeah He's like oh I found Your lair and I know what's going On um, Now let me leave so that this movie can have Another 45 minutes
0: <laughs> I need to keep the plot Going um, the, the lady uh, Sort of nicks the back of his neck And gets a little bit of blood uh, Boss vampire lady tastes the blood and like Nuts immediately And she's like <laughs> Whoa, Dennis Miller's blood is ultra ultra like this is the really good blood and we need to keep him alive and not just murder this shit out of this guy who broke and entered into our vampire sex hole uh, because he he's just the tastiest little canopy in Texas.
1: And yet that's the most unbelievable part of a movie about a ring <laughs> of vampires led by the original vampire Lilith.
0: Yeah, that Dennis Miller would ever bring a woman joy. Um, (laughs) So the pastor. uh, You you find. Over by two women. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and so you find out that uh, uh, Chris Sarandon uh, is a. uh, He's got this like Xanatos gambit going where he's in league with the vampires because he likes that they kill sinners and he's cool with that but also he's on the take with uh, the, the, the guy at the beginning who betrayed all of... Uh, Phil Fondacaro. Um, also, he's on the take with him, but also he is in with the perverted funeral home director, kind of. Like, he's got... he wears a lot of hats. This, and this then, press then.
1: Fondacaro double-crosses him because he's having sex with Lilith. <laughs>
0: Cause why not? You know what? If you trusted Phil Fondacaro, like, like, come on, he he exclusively plays characters that like are Ric Flair on a tag team levels of ultimate betrayal.
1: He's got a like, single he... silver earring. Like we all saw it coming.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he will betray you. Like that's just that, it's a foregone fucking conclusion, folks. Uh, he so uh, Chris Arandon almost gets killed. Uh, But Dennis Miller uh, shows up, uh, he rolls up on the joint uh, with a super soaker full of holy water.
1: God bless it. It's such a good trope. I'm a sucker for it every time.
0: Oh, completely agree. Um, And he actually says to Elena Laniac, and it's the worst thing in the world. I feel like I'm in a bad Tales from the Crypt episode fuck out of here that's not you how dare you do that dialogue in this film like i i was i was so annoyed because i was just thinking of I, and you know maybe the problem is i i like that series so much because of what it does that having this self-referential shit is like you know what dennis miller you don't even go here all right like show some fucking respect in in my tales from the crypt honestly the set piece with the water guns it's a fun time yeah so then the rest of the movie
1: is just your standard like vampire shenanigans um the laser burns a hole a cross-shaped hole through lilith she transforms into a bigger badder vampire Um, and then we all think things are fine because aliniac and miller get in the car to drive away thank goodness we've we've escaped everything oh but not before oh no cory feldman has been a vampire this whole time and and i can't believe we were too late
0: yeah and well and then the uh the searing sexual chemistry between uh ellen alaniac and dennis miller um sort of culminates in him putting his hand on her thigh and trying to to make out with her and he like sort of um hikes her skirt up a little bit and sees bite marks on her thigh and then right then he's like what's that perfume you're wearing and she's like it's not perfume it's sunblock and then bites him and that's the now, movie in 1998 a young quincy thought that that was genius <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, like, hey, are, have you heard of this new banana boat perfume? Like, it just smells <laughs> exactly like sunblock. Like, no one has ever confused anything for, for perfume with <laughs> sunblock. But you're exactly right. Watching that, like, when you're you're homesick from school in 1998, and you're watching Comedy Central. Um, perfect, perfect. Um, and then we get the the the, fra- the the sort of the framing device thing with the crypt keeper uh, has the mummy is now ahead on a chair because of a bet about who has a better movie
1: and yeah, he should um, have stopped while he was
0: ahead, ahead. <laughs> and it, yeah i was i knew it was coming and i chuckled joylessly <laughs> like <we> said, <laughs> you should have quit when you were ahead and i'm like yes that makes sense that's the right joke to make thank you um and that's the that's the movie now I do love also that at the very end of the movie, um, you, you realize that, so Dennis Miller, it's revealed earlier on that uh, Dennis Miller's character is Jewish, and he, because um, when he was uh, in the brothel, they, they thought he had a cross necklace, but it turned out to be a Star of David, and then um, at the very end of the thing, uh, a rabbi just comes, is, is there, and like helping them out with like, oh, no, yeah, here's how you consecrate the vampire ashes. It's actually, you should have called me before, honestly, because I could have helped you with all of this, um, but it's, it's totally cool. How's, here's how you do it. Um, and he's like, we do this all the time. Uh, which I kind of love, actually, that, like, listen, man, Catholics don't have the fucking corner on the market for vampire dispatching. Yeah,
1: especially because Lilith is, uh, Hebrew mythology.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of great. I kind of, I kind of love that part. Um, now, we should probably talk about good things about Bordello of Blood. Um... It's got the Crypt Keeper in it. It's got that
1: cool laser.
0: Yeah, it's got that laser. I mean, that's that's the thing that I love, is that, like, the, the movie Bordello of Blood is exactly the movie you think it's going to be when you pull this off the shelf at, like, a Hastings. Like, it, it's not telling you anything about it that you don't already know.
1: Yes, with this film, you get what you get, and you don't throw a fit.
0: Exactly. Um... Now, all right, so looking at the list, holy shit, so where, so looking at the list right now, um, where, I, I guess the the logical, here, wait, I'm gonna do it so that I'm not tapping my keyboard. So the logical place on the list I think we would want to start would be Demon Knight? It is
1: nowhere near on the same par as Demon Knight
0: no yeah tales from the crypt demon knight is at number 116 and i i hasten to remind all of you uh fucking tour de force performance from billy zane you got like jada pinkett do just act swinging for the fucking fences you've got dick miller succumbing to booze from a hunter s thompson ass billy zane in a bar like it's it's fantastic you've got thomas hayden church being a dirtbag it's great Um, But, so, yeah, yeah, Bordello of Blood is much, much, much worse than Demon Knight.
1: Now, I'd Um, be remiss not to mention that from Dusk Till Dawn, the backdoor pilot of of Bordello of Blood is number 254. So I'd be remiss not to point out that uh, backdoor Bordello of Blood uh, spec script from Dusk Till Dawn is number 254. And that is... (laughs) A good movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't, I mean, I think From Dusk Till Dawn is a bad movie, but it's a great movie in the way that I'm like, is Purple Rain a good movie? Absolutely not. Is it a great movie that I will watch many times before my death? Absolutely. Um, and From Dusk Till Dawn is just this, but better? Yeah, for sure. Like... It's got Tom Savini, it's got, come on, like it's, yeah, yeah. Now, uh, Quincy, a movie that you uh, bear a personal grudge, uh, at number 263, we have High Tension.
1: You know, I can't believe I'm going to say it, but (laughs) High Tension is better than Bordello of Blood. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if I'm going soft in my old age or what, but like... (laughs) It really is not nearly as grievous as this film.
0: Yeah. Although, I honestly, between the the new French extremity of high tension and do you want to take uh, the skin highway to Tuna Town? (laughs) Like, that's the most harrowing shit. That's honestly, this is is the new extreme. Um, Let's uh, look down the list a
1: little bit. At number 295 is another, it says what it is, uh, Santa's
0: sleigh. Mm. played by uh with featuring bill goldberg as evil santa yes. i hate to say this i think the uh that bordello of blood is better than santa's sleigh <laughs> okay how i'll tell you i'll tell you how bear in mind is... that chris katan is in santa's sleigh Oh shit! That's well okay. If we're ta- if we're ranking SNL cast members, I think I'm. I, I hate that I'm putting Dennis Miller above Chris Kattan, <laughs> um, which that doesn't feel fair because I would rather hang out with Chris Kattan. Uh, but I feel like I want to give uh, the the benefit of the doubt to Santa Slay because, or no, excuse me, to Bordello of Blood above Santa Slay because Santa Slay is not a third as gory as it should be. Like for a movie about evil Santa played by Bill Goldberg, like that should be a fucking bloodbath. I should be able to pop that on nonstop Santa murder for an hour and a half and then I go to bed and it tries involving me in the mythology of Santa Claus and tries getting me into like his the deal that bound him to being a good person until recently with whatever, whatever. Give me Santa murder. And it doesn't. Um, so based on that I think I would want to put Bordello of Blood above it But what do you think? I think you're right But I think my
1: um, my actual top Would be number 287 The Relic Because as 90s movies go The Relic oh, yeah. is um,
0: Unassailable You're completely correct Like, Honestly The Relic is a thing that Do you also do this thing where every couple of weeks You think should I watch The Relic? And yes,
1: it's called the human condition. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and like whether or not you do it, the fact that it's always there—you've got a. Rel- it's like that thing of how everyone has a god-shaped hole inside of them. Everyone, we've all got a, a the relic-shaped hole inside of our in, inside of our psyches, where it's like might watch the relic tonight. Yes. This might be the night. I don't know. Um. The yeah. So the relic is definitely better than uh, Bordello of Blood. I think I know what my floor is. Um, above Santa Sleigh. Actually, I think. That Bordello of Blood is probably better than Here Comes Hell at 289 because that's kind of a mouthful of nothing to me. Yeah, yeah, I cannot um,
1: remember that film. Uh, I had to Google it <laughs> while we're talking
0: about it. <laughs> but you know, but you know what Bordello of Blood has? It's not perfume; it's sunblock. <laughs> and like that's gonna no that's all I can think is like for some reason Jeffrey Rush and Pirates of the Caribbean being like you better start believing in sunblock because you're in one where it's that same delivery. Um, I don't think it's as good as Blue Monkey. Um, I'd say it's not as good as Blue Monkey either,
1: just because that's a uh, like a real uh, special effects juggernaut.
0: Oh, it's a it's a fucking, yeah, it's a real ham slapper. Like, there's a lot of really, really good effects in that. And Bordello of Blood, I think, has cool effects. Like, that, listen, they didn't skimp on the Crucifix laser, and that's not for nothing. Uh, but yeah, I feel, I feel very confident about that. So coming in at our new number 289, above Here Comes Hell and below Blue Monkey, is Tales from the Crypt, Bordello of Blood.
1: Hey, do you enjoy your commute but want to make it a little worse? It's real dumb. We hate ourselves. Hey, guys, you ever like something? Well, you won't in this case. Men Like That, a podcast. Uh, And if you want, Here Comes Hell uh, is on Tubi, so watch it. It's not bad. It's certainly better than Santa's sleigh.
0: Oh sure. And also Tales from the Crypt de- uh uh Bordello of Blood I think uh, it was on a couple of streaming platforms. Uh, I did not pay money for this because I'm not money is not changing hands for me to rewatch Bordello of Blood. Uh um, I own it on DVD. So I watched it. Fuck yes. God damn. That's that's, that's you're you're never going to regret that purchase. You may well, not ever yeah, enjoy it. It's, that it's got
1: both movies. It's a double disc with both Tales from the Crypt movies.
0: That's a that's a fine Thursday night is what that is. So the second movie we're doing for this week. Um, so now that we're in quarantine and we've had to delay uh, the release of uh, the new Candyman um, directed by Mia DeCosta and uh, produced by Jordan Peele, which I am so desperate to watch that I want to pull my own eyes out. Um, in lieu of that, we we did uh, Candyman colon Farewell to the Flesh. Uh, from 1995, um, this is a this is a bad movie. So uh...
1: nothing nothing tells you uh, the tone of this movie better than it starts on a lecture, a dry, boring book tour reading. Man, and
0: and it is now the thing ch- is,
1: motherfuckers using a slide projector.
0: Yeah, as was the silent ninety-five. And and Quincy, as we're both uh, literary and academic types, I think we've all we we've both been trapped at a bad lecture at like a bookshop from some dude like this.
1: Yes, you sit in the front row on accident, and you cannot get up <laughs> without crawling over twenty people.
0: Oh my god. You've got to keep your neck craned the whole time. You've got, like, sweat running down the small of your back. You're in a bookstore. If I You're had a dollar
1: for every time I was in a Books-A-Million where someone was doing a signing and I was the only person standing near that author, I would be able to purchase a book from one of those authors.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Man, this is... Th- this reminded me, and I don't know why, but I remember um, when I was in college, I went to a, uh, a reading and... Uh, Q a and A session with Billy Collins um, at a place near where we went to college, and the whole time he just looked so tired and so miserable, and it was it was just everybody present was just like, "Please, I'd like to go home now." But we all had to sort of agree that we were at this reading by Billy Collins. Um, it was it was a bad time. And so, uh, Candyman, Farewell to the Flesh. We get the uh, we get this uh, lecture from the snooty academic from Candyman who. Uh, dunks on Helen Lyle for not doing her fucking homework about Daniel Robitaille, and is like, you know, giving her the breakdown of the legend of Candyman, and is, you know, like sort of gives her the the backstory. And it's this guy. Uh, now he's doing a book tour about Candyman. I'm just going to throw this out there: if you're in a horror movie sequel and you're on a publicity tour on the back of some horrifying events that happened. Your card's getting pulled at some point, but... Oh,
1: yeah. It's it's just sort of Damocles. And and he literally... And they play on that because he's like, oh, I'm going to say Candyman five times into my reflective book jacket, which, damn, that's good marketing. Uh, and good his assistant rips through the, the projector screen with a hook hand and scares the audience. And then he's like, I goofed you. But here's the thing. <laughs> Let's do some math now. I, I'm just a small town Southern podcaster, <laughs> but in 1995 dollars, I don't think projection screens were very cheap. Oh no! So let's no, talk about the some overhead of every reading this guy does. <laughs> he has an uh, intern ripping a projection screen to shreds to try to murder him with a hook hand. For a couple of <laughs> giggles. Oh, man. Now, even that if is these a great point. Okay, these hardcover books are probably selling for MSRP of, like, I don't know, $30? I think that's the most, even yeah. in $19.95, you can charge for a hardcover book. They're spending a lot of money yeah. on it being cloth-bound. It's got this reflective cover, so that's going to eat into the profit, too. And, um what i'm saying is he can't afford to be doing this so is it a surprise to all these bookstores and he's leaving a bloody trail of independent retailers left in the lurch by their equipment being damaged or does he like is he in with big projector screen and like they're furnishing these uh gratis to him what's the real story here
0: that's a great point like is there some there's some bookseller in new orleans who's like you're gonna fucking pay for that right like that screen that your little monkey boy ripped with his fucking hook (laughs) like it's yeah you know it's he's he's doing theater at this point which to me the fact that you're doing the tour that you're doing and also like goofing on the audience and having somebody like play the part of Candyman's hook for half a second like how you were you were already uh cruising for a (laughs) bruising yeah
1: and and he knows that because he leaves the the uh reading and he's walking through the french quarter at night and there's like smog just pouring everywhere and every single person that like rounds a corner is scaring the shit out of him probably because he's been harassed by
0: Bookshop owners so many times. <laughs> <laughs> They're all waiting in the shadows to collect on their screens. Like, where's my fucking money, man? Hey book guy, where's my fucking money? <laughs> um Yeah, yeah, so obviously he gets he gets gutted by Candyman. Um but now and you pointed out, uh the the jump scares in this movie, the scares in this movie It does a hashtag problematic thing, I feel, which is that it does the gag. It is literally every black man in the
1: movie. It's like, oh, no, it's Candyman. Oh, wait, it's just a black man. A black man in the bathroom. A black man who is the principal of this school and says, hey, you have a phone call. It is very (laughs) shitty.
0: It's very bad, and I feel like you know if if you know maybe we need answers that uh, a straight to video sequel to Candyman can't give us right now. But I feel like if if that's the thing you keep doing in this fucking movie, but you don't have any inherent condemnation of like the audience's expectations. Or, you know, there's no there's no comment on the fact that this keeps happening. There's no like, what, just cause I'm a black guy I'm the fucking candyman? Like there's nothing yeah, like, like that. It's just like the only
1: thing you get is the one guy in the bar looks at the academic and is like, What the fuck is your problem? I I too am allowed to use a bathroom. Quit looking at me like that. And and the the guy's like, It's my my book. I'm I wrote this book about Candyman. He's like fuck off dude and, and leaves but that's it it's not
0: yeah and although that is kind of that is a great delivery from the actor who plays the academic to me that like they're you know he's standing in the bathroom and he's like washing his hands in the sink uh, next to the black dude and he's like just he's clearly had a few and he's just like washing his hand and the guy looks down at the book and looks at him and he just says in this sodded voice this is my book like it's just I've, I wrote I, I wrote book um, <laughs> this guy's like you can tell that this guy is like scoping this writer. Like, all right, is this guy is this guy gonna proposition me? Is he gonna shoot me? Like, what are we? What are we doing? Um, now we haven't even gotten into the protagonist of the movie, who uh, her name is Annie, and she. Now this movie is way way too uh, invested in Annie's family and her family bullshit with her brother and father and whatever. Yeah, it's all get out about, of here with like, that.
1: It's it's a Southern Gothic. Um, inheritance drama, and who gives a
0: shit? Yeah, like I'm into Southern Gothic, but like, as sort of, we don't get any more Candyman until 37 minutes into this movie. Like, we are just fiddle fucking around with this stupid white family and their money problems and their their inheritance. It's oh, unbearable, Brian, and I the kingfish. <laughs> oh the kingfish he <laughs> fuck me the kingfish all right this is a thing that i genuinely love about this movie actually um quincy how would you describe the kingfish
1: oh uh, the kingfish is uh what you'd call a, a southern gentleman <laughs> and he's got that like uh molasses tone and he says hey the kingfish i'm the radio host and like Mardi Gras is like this time before Lent, so we're going to explain this for anyone who's never heard of it. Carnival means farewell to the flesh and, like, looks at the screen. And did you notice how many drag queens are featured in the beginning uh, shots of Mardi Gras that are shown in this movie?
0: A lot of shots of drag queens, which I I really appreciate. Uh, yeah, uh, like, the, the kingfish is very just sort of like, did somebody ask for a Greek chorus but way moister? like he's just he's just coming in to give his he's like, like his like best of fish marinated in <laughs>
1: southern humidity <laughs> who also uh, was raised by the budweiser frogs <laughs> <laughs> fuck so I have to know, Ryan, how many um, Budweiser frog t-shirts did you own in elementary school? Because I owned a lot.
0: Oh, see, my, mine was a, a bit of a teetotaler household uh, when I was a little kid. So like during, during the, the Budweiser frog's like moment of cultural power. Uh, so my mom wasn't going to let me wear a Budweiser t-shirt, but I was, you know, I was in the thick of uh, Budweiser frog mania. You know, like it was just it was everywhere, and 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 you couldn't escape it. I had um, one because I have kin kinfolk that live in
1: Louisiana. That was the Budweiser frog saying "Mar de Gras," <sighs> and that, my friend, for a third grader, <laughs> is peak comedy.
0: Oh, comedy, fucking gold! See, that's the thing. I also I come from swamp folk in Louisiana. Like I'm. You know, I'm I'm pure corn because of where I grew up, but like so much of my family is from Louisiana that like I'm always I always love anything that takes place in Louisiana because I feel like I'm sort of uh, uh, cut off from that that part of my life because I also uh, hate my mom's side of the family very much because they're all bad people, um, but they all live in a swamp. The great thing is, I uh, the kingfish at one point um, because he pops in to let you know that you know he's a radio host and it's New Orleans and you know, Candyman is out there and etc. At one point, he encourages Candyman. He puts Candyman on blast on the radio and encourages him to chill out and eat some gumbo. (laughs) Because gumbo
1: is a a metaphor for Louisiana. We have all of this rich cultural diversity and it's all mixed together. Um, I especially have a chip on my shoulder for people that talk about louisiana diversity uh because it's Mm -hmm. usually white guys like the members of the band i hate god who literally use the n-word and then say i can't be racist i'm from louisiana (laughs)
0: yeah yeah because like the diversity of a place meaning like what i i have met black people i get to say <laughs> the worst racial slur i can think of yeah it's 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 a lot uh and so
1: hey it's okay that phil phil anselmo is my
0: friend and also c kyle i'm from new orleans it's cool <laughs> man phil anselmo that's my thing at this point I'm like if you if you if you rock with phil anselmo you you're either a racist or as good as a racist. <laughs> right. There's no... Annie... So Annie uh, summons Candyman to New Orleans uh, by saying his name in a mirror five times to prove to one of her students, one of her black students, by the way. I, I I feel like the fact that this movie still follows white people, I feel like they didn't learn from the previous installment.
1: Exactly. It's like, huh. It's like we took the entire message from the first movie and just Threw it away, and just took the like gruesome guy that's killed by bees.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm not even gonna lie to you. I'm so, I'm kind of salty that this movie still uses Philip Glass's score from Candyman because I'm like, you don't deserve that fucking score, <laughs> like for the for this bullshit. But so she summons Candyman in New Orleans, and what you what you come to find out is. Shit, you already knew about Candyman. You already knew the origins because of the white academic that gets like murked at the top of this movie. You already know what happened to Candyman yeah. to make him who he is. That he got like, there was a lynch mob and they, you know, dragged him to death and covered him in honey and chopped his hand off and put a hook on it and all of that stuff. And so we, you know, we, we sort of find out like, all right, well, all that stuff you knew about Candyman, here's a community theater production of that. And what you find out is apparently that Annie can summon him to New Orleans by saying his name into a mirror, which opens up some really weird possibilities for me. Like, what if 10 different people from around the globe uh, are in Candyman's mentions that night? Does he just go around to everybody like Santa Claus? Like, what are we doing?
1: Or is he going to places that have good gumbo and like a lot of titties and <laughs> <of> beer.
0: <laughs> He's like, well I wasn't gonna show up, but you guys do have good gumbo. That's what fair. is
1: what um, is Candyman doing the rest of the movie? Is he walking through the French quarter with a hurricane in one of those novelty like Balls <laughs> that's hanging from his neck with like slinky glasses with plastic titties
0: on. Them. My dude is balls deep in a sazerac at, served in a commemorative cup koozie. At this point, <laughs> like in between all the murder, I mean that's that's always the thing. It's like he's not hanging out in the mirror. Like he is in the real world at several points. Like during Mardi Gras, like menacing Annie from the crowd. He's you know so he's 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 there. What you what you come to find out. um is that Candyman uh, got his soul, basically, trapped in a mirror when um, the guy who um, was instigating uh, torturing him to death for sleeping with his daughter, um, he like holds a, a mirror up to Candyman's face to show him how fucking wrecked his face looks after getting fucked to death by bees. And there's like a, a, a Twin Peaks-style um, Josie Packard is getting absorbed into the dresser sort of a thing where it's like, Okay, now Daniel Robitaille is possessing this magic mirror, which gives him super murder powers now. And fast forward, a bunch of silly bullshit happens, and then what you find out is that if you break the mirror, uh, it breaks Candyman's power, which is deeply compelling and fun. What a great way to end Candyman, is just break a fucking mirror. Quincy, this movie is not very good. No, uh, the one thing I do like is the whole... Uh, climax
1: of the movie has the kingfish saying like hurry up and get all your sin in because you only got a couple more hours and also I like that literal Mardi Gras the police department and sanitation department roll up the sidewalk they just have a fleet of street sweepers that just push everyone off the streets (laughs) and clean all the urine and garbage and fun and they're like, we'll see you at church in the morning.
0: God fucking bless. Like, when I was in New Orleans for a couple of weeks, like, this is my exact understanding of New Orleans, and I am very fond of it. 12.01, um, the...
1: it's over. Go to church.
0: <laughs> you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Yeah, it's Ash Wednesday, motherfuckers. Wipe that jizz and my tie off your face. You need to put some pants on. You need to wipe that clown makeup off. You need to go to church. Um... <laughs> It's, yeah, Now, and this movie doesn't really, my problem with it is that it doesn't really build on the mythology of Candyman at all, really. Yeah, also my problem is one of the
1: proposed uh, Tales from the Crypt sequels was called Fat Tuesday, and it was a zombie Mardi Gras movie. So we could have had that, but instead, this is like the most notable Mardi Gras horror movie, and it's it's a turd
0: man that's fucking great honestly like the other thing that kind of drives me crazy about this movie is that um they 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 did a lot of uh hollywood magic in the uh, original Candyman to sort of because like tony todd gave them a lot to work with by having the most presence of anybody and being like sexy and haunting and just having this huge huge presence that like the first movie knew how to work with that i think and like add a lot of sort of reverb to his voice and shoot him in ways that sort of gave him mystique. Like you had him sort of, and, and so many of those scenes like sort of floating or he's approaching the camera without seeming to move, or there's like some trick of the camera that makes him look like he might not actually be there, even though you can see him, which is the whole point. Um, And farewell to the flesh. It's just like, Tony Todd standing there under regular lighting, being like, "Hey, I'm Candyman." And it's
1: it's it's also like, or is it another uh, black man that looks nothing like him?
0: <laughs> I'm possibly another black guy, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which is oh. uh, very bad. This movie okay. is all in on that fucking gag, dude.
1: Let's talk about this. So we put a lot of movies at the bottom of this list for being socially damaging. I feel like in 2020, this movie is a lot worse than it was 20 years ago when it came out.
0: Well, and also too, uh, when this was being marketed, they had to change the poster because you'll never guess what event was taking place in the news uh, at the time that this was being developed. Um, OJ, Sim- the the OJ Simpson trial was going on, Jeez. and so having a large black man uh, menacing a blonde white woman on the on the poster. It's not on, dude. Um, and, you know, they, they altered the, the advertising for that. But, like, you know, it was bad at the time. And, and it's kind of, you know, I don't want to say that this movie is, like, I don't know. Like, is is it is it? That's a racist thing this movie does, I think, is the, the jump scares with just random black men.
1: Well, I mean, the whole premise of the movie of angry black man is uh you know rapes a uh, plantation owner's daughter which is such a like scarecrow issue and is not really supported by history it's just like mm-hmm. white panic i mean that whole thing and like again the white uh rich lady of new orleans we're gonna care about her and not the charter school she works for or
0: Oh my anyone else
1: in this movie or the poor independent booksellers who have their uh projection screens shredded to bits it's just get out of here with i this. don't care. get out of here
0: with- get out of here with this Blanche Bois shit. Why do I care about this rich, white New Orleans family?
1: But is it worse uh, than
0: Necromantic? Outrageous. That's where I'm having trouble. Oh, oh boy. Oh, wow. Alright. Okay, alright. So, is the necrophilia movie where we just get long loving uh, shots of people fucking a corpse? And Better bloody words- jizz. Oh, the bloody jizz. Yeah, yeah. That, you know what? It has a good ending. Um, you know what? Purely for that ending, I, I I want to, but I can't. I think, I think Farewell to the Flesh is better, and I think it's better entirely because Tony Todd, he's wonderful in everything, and I'm just happy anytime he's on my screen. And you know, it, the the fucking the Kingfish, I there there's a line from this movie. That I have had stuck in my brain since I was a kid watching this on like VHS that that I rented from like the Video Shack, which is my belly is a mountain of love stuffed with oysters. <laughs> it's so weird and upsetting and I love it. Uh, so I feel like purely for some pretty good Candyman line writing, I want to give the edge to to Farewell to the Flesh. What do you think?
1: I I think that's definitely true, Uh, which makes me wonder if it's automatically above um, Bordello of Blood for screenplay alone. Uh, (laughs) I don't know if it cuts it, though, because it feels a little bit less innocuous. Um, Now, towards here at the bottom of the list, we have several reboots of popular franchises that miss the mark. We have Mm -hmm. The Predator at 466. We have Hellraiser Inferno at 463. We have I, Frankenstein at 455.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A classic. You know what, actually? I think I know what movie I think this is. Uh, Slightly worse than, but slightly above the... So The Predator at number 466 has some weird damaging shit about autism and people on the spectrum. Um, and it sort of puts that like, Oh, it's like the next step in human evolution, but it's, I mean, the way they do it is so fucking sloppy. And so like, you guys needed two more passes on this before you had this as a plot point. It also has a weird
1: PTSD thing that it's trying to say, but not really. And again, people are paid to read movies and say, to read scripts and say, don't say that. Why can't yeah. they just pay one more person to go, yeah, no, don't do that?
0: <laughs> yeah, everyone disliked that. Um, so I feel like I want to put this uh, above Necromantic 2, which is at 467. I think The Predator is probably a better movie because it has like a coherent plot that isn't just 30 minutes of nothing. Yeah,
1: I, um, would, I would agree with the
0: yeah like with the exception of the autism subplot being fucking garbage i feel like it clicks right along in a way that i'm not gonna lie to you this rewatch of farewell to the flesh it was a goddamn march to like forward to just be like all right we're so we're still talking about the rich white family great uh where's candy no we got 20 more minutes okay yeah um, it's in a it's way
1: such th- a betrayal because nostalgia you know taints a very paints a very um rosie lynn something about watching this on sci-fi channel in uh 1999 on a sunday afternoon makes it a lot more enjoyable than being an adult and watching the entire film maybe that's the problem is watching movies on cable i always was catching like the last 30 minutes so i was never watching the whole film and realizing that it is very
0: poorly put together. Completely agree. Um, so yeah, so I feel pretty... Yeah, and that's the thing is like, if you can sort of... it's This would be a perfectly fine hangover movie, I think. If you were sort of in and out of consciousness and kind of nursing a hangover and this is in the mix and you've got uh, the kingfish coming in to fucking Dr. John at you that's great but sitting down to watch the whole thing is it's yeah too much so i feel pretty good about that so coming in at our new number 467 above necromantic 2 and below shane black's the predator is Candyman 2 farewell to the flesh we've, uh God, we've cracked damn. 480 we're
1: at 480 plus movies on this list
0: man we are we are closing in like, four more episodes or so, we're going to probably have done 500 movies that we have watched and ranked.
1: Now, do we stop at 666 or do we do we actually pursue our true goal, which is every movie?
0: Oh, every movie. No, no, we're keeping this train rolling until one of us dies, like this is. And we're
1: we've already uh, we've named our air appearance in our
0: power of attorney so (laughs) yeah it's you and me locked in a death embrace this is this is what we this is the path we've chosen um quincy where uh where can our listeners find us on the internet we are on uh most
1: major social media platforms we're on instagram at rank and vile uh we are on um tiktok at rank and vile at least until the one of the uh international superpowers <laughs> shuts that website down um we are on twitter at rank cast uh we have a gmail at rank and cast if you want to shoot us a message uh, drop us a line there we have a discord server um which is linked through our twitter uh we have a letterbox we've got a youtube channel we've got everything
0: yeah we're out here basically anywhere you'd want to find us um and once again like we love hearing from you guys if you want to drop us a note and request a movie we love doing re- uh, requests I almost said requests and that's not that's not how you say that um, we have a
1: patreon yeah. if you are like one of the kind souls that is paying us money to do this uh, and we can never thank our Patre- our patrons enough for how they're making this this little dream come true
0: you guys are the real MVPs, and we, we love doing this show and we love talking with you guys about it we love doing it for you um, so yeah, so uh, patreon.com slash Uh But, barring that, I believe that is about all I've got. You got anything else? Uh, stay spooky. Later, folks.